All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM for a Friday in studio with me, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Trigoski. Happy Friday, Rick. And this is his theme music for anyone that doesn't listen to the show every Friday. Trigoski usually in here, although we were both gone last Friday. We were. I wonder how that went. I heard you were cheating on Wisdom. Yes, I was on another radio program talking (laughs) about the school board elections in Lacrosse, also talking about the advisory referenda. The advisory referenda in La Crosse County surrounding abortion, the advisory referendum statewide surrounding welfare and work requirements for welfare benefits, and then talking about the Wisconsin State Supreme Court election. So there's a lot going on, Rick. Yeah, there's all kinds of things and on the ballot. There's actually there's actually not that much on the ballot, right? But you could but kind they're of really important. That's not right, that like, is like they just go from the the, the echelon of Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, I was talking to some people about this the other day. The the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, if you were to compare that to like a presidential election, because the presidential election had what, like 80 some percent turnout? Sure. And this is going to have, if we're lucky, 25 percent turnout? Yeah, I think it'll have more than that, but it's not going to be anywhere near presidential level. But in comparison to the amount that this will affect you as a Wisconsinite, you really should be going, if you were going to pick a poll or pick a a ballot to vote on or a poll to go to, I guess it would be this one versus like the Joe Biden, Donald Trump race. It's the weird thing about these April elections, Rick, because so often these April elections have a huge impact on our day-to-day lives. They're the local races and the state races that have a huge effect on public policy at the local level and at the state level. Yet in the April elections, we frequently have low voter turnout. So there tends to be a bit of a mismatch. And this is not unique to lacrosse. This is not unique to Wisconsin. The most important elections, the local elections and the state elections tend to have lower voter turnout, even though those are the elections that really affect people. All right. So obviously we have a school board race. We have a multiple questions, a, a, a school referendum question, a six years, $60 million operating budget. Um, the 1849 or what I like to say, 174 year old abortion question is on lacrosse County ballot. There's the question you mentioned before, what I like to call a question about going after people on welfare, something we already do, but we have to put it on the ballot anyway. And just the idea that that one's statewide, but the abortion one, Republicans wouldn't let the abortion one go on the statewide ballot. I don't understand why that is, but I guess I do politically, right? Because more people are going to. More people care about, you know, that representation that therefore that would actually push people to the ballot because this welfare question doesn't seem to be pushing people to the ballot. It doesn't, Rick. It's always interesting to see what politicians think will motivate voters. When we look at these advisory referenda, they give us an indication about what will motivate voters. So in this case, the Lacrosse County Board seems to think that the abortion referendum question will motivate voters. Meanwhile, Republican leaders at the state level seem to think that the work requirements for welfare benefits will motivate voters. But there's very little evidence that any of this motivates voters. So I think that this is going to be much ado about nothing, if you will. Are you saying the Lacrosse County Board is playing politics as well by putting that on the referendum Rick, on the ballot? I mean, Rick, there are two different schools of thought about these referendum votes. One school of thought is that politicians want to make a point about public opinion. 
that the La Crosse County Board wants to make a point about where the public stands on abortion and Republican leaders want to make a point about where the public stands on work requirements for welfare. The other school of thought is that this is just to motivate voters to turn out to vote, that the La Crosse County Board wants to motivate voters in La Crosse and that Republican leaders want to motivate their base. So two schools of thought, not sure which one, I'm not going to take sides on this, but two schools of thought about the motives behind these non-binding referendum votes. Well, and the, the abortion one just seems like a no-brainer. If we're, if we're trying to get representation and trying to get the public's idea of where they stand on something, then a law that's 174 years old that seems to be front and center in a Wisconsin Supreme Court race. But maybe, I guess, you know, if Republicans were smart, did they say this? Because you, you would know better than I. Did Republicans say uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court race will tell us where people stand on abortion and therefore we don't need to put that on the ballot? Republicans have tried to downplay the role of abortion in the election for Wisconsin State Supreme Court. They are trying to make this race about crime, trying to say that Janet Protasewicz is no prison Protasewicz, or trying to say that she is weak on crime. Meanwhile, Protasewicz is trying to portray Dan Kelly as being weak on crime. So we've got kind of those barbs being traded back and forth, each candidate proclaiming that the other is weak on crime. So Republicans are trying to downplay the role of crime in this election. Meanwhile, Democrats are happy to make this election all about abortion. And Rick, that is for a very simple reason. The 1849 law is deeply unpopular. Many Republicans have sincere views on abortion, and they sincerely believe that the 1849 law is good. But that's not where the public is at. And so I don't want to deride anyone's sincere views on the issue of abortion. Goodness knows lots of people have sincere views on this issue. And I don't want to downplay that. I don't want to take that away from anyone. But that being said, the public does not, by and large, approve of the 1849 law. And that's just the reality that Republicans are trying to deal with right now. A bunch of stuff's whirling through my head, and we got to get to break, so I'm going to bring it up. The uh, the politics of putting of Republicans in the state legislature bringing up, we're going to modify the 1849 law yep. in terms of what, rape and incest? Mm-hmm. The politics of that. Also, the politics of everything else that the legislature did this week, because when we, when we run for office, it's inflation, 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 jobs, 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 inflation, maybe crime, but... Uh, doesn't seem like the state legislature is doing anything in that regard. I don't know if that's because they're using the excuse of the budget and the seven billion dollar budget surplus, but everything that was that that was headlines anyway yesterday that passed the best parts of the legislature didn't seem to be like helping anyone in particular. Uh, going after riots, uh, what was the other one? Um, reckless driving. Reckless driving. Yeah, that was another one. And then the, the one, the other one that was weird was we're going to better define the bail question that's already right. on the ballot. So what? You haven't even defined the bail question that people are literally already voting for? You don't even know what it is, but you've already got it on the ballot? Seems a little, I don't know, uh, makes me mad. We'll be back. When in doubt, go with Hootie and the Blowfish. Welcome well, you back. can't think of any other bumper music. <laughs> Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in studio with me, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergoski. We we went deep dive right away. We started the show. We just we're going to go politics, politics, politics. We didn't even kind of give like the uh, the little rundown of what you know because we always have some kind of wacky story. We have you have three on the list today, and I would say that if we can modify 
some of these three to kind of, if we can develop a theme, this is going to be hard because we tried to think of this before we came on. And I mean, we didn't give ourselves a ton of time to think about it, but if we could do this, cause we've, we've argued with uh, at least, at least one state legislator and Mandela Barnes, who was running for Senate about the state cheese. Uh, well, Mandela Barnes was the you know, uh, vice governor, vice go- lieutenant governor, the vice governor. Why isn't it called the vice governor? It should be. It should be, right? The lieutenant governor. It sounds so stupid now that you think about it, right? We should call it the vice governor. Let's see legislation pass it. Um, so the state cheese. And then we did uh, a little bit after that, we did the state aroma. We kind of had some fun with that because New Mexico's state aroma was going to be. It was going to be green chilies on an open flame. Yeah, very specific. And we kind of we kind of came up with campfires. Um, somebody said like brats with sauerkraut, which I thought was a pretty good one. <laughs> and there was one other one. I don't remember. What, uh, just oh, like mine was mine was burnt frozen pizza. Oh, burnt frozen pizza. And then I said, <laughs> because Wisconsin eats the most frozen pizza per capita in right. the United States. Yeah, I think if you go to a Woodman's aisle here and you go to a grocery store aisle and maybe like you know Colorado or something, the frozen pizza section might be vastly different. Yeah. Um, and if Lacrosse had, I just thought of this because somebody somebody said like the brewery or beer or something like that. But if Lacrosse had a state aroma, it would definitely be the weird thing that comes from the the area around the water treatment plant and the the brewery, right? right. That would be Lacrosse's state aroma, sadly enough. Um, but then after that, we did like a state dipping sauce. Yes. And we just came up because because. They were gonna. Somebody is going to release a ranch flavored ice cream. Ranch flavored ice cream coming to Walmart coming for to, a limited time. Coming to Walmart, it'll be the 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 Walmart brand flavored ice. But then we kind of decided. I think at the end of that show, if Wisconsin were to have a dipping sauce, it would be ranch. Oh, for sure. But would it? Because cheese is a dipping sauce, and that would be blasphemy if if cheese wasn't the dipping sauce of Wisconsin. But it would be ranch. But then there's the discussion about having Colby be the state cheese of Wisconsin. Yeah, we can't decide on a certain cheese, but as a dipping sauce just in general, would cheese overtake? Because I think if we put it to a poll, I think ranch would win statewide. Why isn't that on the ballot? I feel like that should be on the ballot Chugassi, as a referendum. Chagasi, you want to get people, we talk about how to get people to the ballot. Republicans are like, let's put this welfare question on here. Should we go after people that are poor to get make it harder for them to get welfare? And Democrats are like, we need to put this 174-year-old abortion ban law on the on the ballot. And Rick and Tregoski are like, let's put whether ranch or cheese like, should be the state dipping sauce. Do, Every, you, do you like ranch or not? Do you like cheese? Which one do you like which better? Which should be the state dipping sauce? Ranch dressing sauce or cheese dipping sauce? The the turnout would be 90%. Record voter turnout if we do that. Well, uh, could the county board, could this be a thing? Or would, the, like, could the county board put this on, like, the, like, because it costs, like, $5,000 to put something on the ballot, right? Oh, this is worth $5,000 to get this on the ballot. We need the public to does weigh in have, on this. Does there have to be, like, a some some kind of, like, political or, does there have to be some kind of reason to put something on the ballot? Like, you can point to the abortion question that's on the county ballot as a thing that's that's being discussed in the legislature and something that we would want the legislature to know. But we could we could ask the voters about the state cheese. Right. Should it be Colby cheese? Should it be cheddar cheese? Uh, uh, Westby cheese. Right. Like that. That There you could as a county board, you could go like, uh, 
we we want the legislature to know. But as a dipping sauce, would that be too out of the? Out I of feel the- like we need to make this happen. I feel like this really should happen. We need Lacrosse County to weigh in on ranch dressing versus cheese sauce. Jane Kleekamp, the new county yes. administrator, is going to be on with me on Tuesday. Yeah, we need to get her on the record so about this. So if nothing else, because I'm going to forget, if nothing else, if you're, you're because you're usually driving home from, from class, right? From, yeah. Well, I say class like you're going to class, but from teaching, <laughs> from professoring, right? Uh, I, I finished professoring at 5.05 when yeah, you come on the air. Literally when I come in. So maybe shoot me a text on Tuesday. Hey, Rick, don't forget to ask Jane about putting on the ballot. Maybe we could do this on the next ballot, right? What would the next would the next ballot be the presidential election ballot? Sure. We wouldn't even need turnout. We would. It would be interesting to know, though. Um, so but I was trying to think what could be the next. Could we do this as a theme every Friday? But I don't. I don't have a great example like statewide meat. What would this would it be venison? Would it be some kind of T-bone steak? Um, would or, it be boneless wings? Would it be boneless <laughs> wings? Maybe a story about that. Or like the statewide vegetable corn, yes. asparagus. I don't know. Um, OK, but you you bring up boneless wings. Let's just do that real quick. We have some weird stories. And and one is that the World Baseball Classic's over, so this one's kind of outdated. But the Italians had an espresso machine in their dugout during the World Baseball Classic. So we could do the state caffeinated beverage. Oh, we could. That is a good one because, would it, you know, and then would you do like energy drink versus coffee versus sure. versus Mountain Dew or just like soda? I don't know. Um, okay, so the, the but the Italians did have an espresso sh- machine in their dugout. Super hilarious! How great is that? Forget the big jug of Gatorade. Just have a have a barista in the dugout. For goodness' sake, just, <laughs> just have a little bar there. <laughs> they got the blender going. Um, the other funny story that we see in out of Virginia is uh, two two guys escape jail. So you think like uh, you, you, as hard as it, as it is to escape jail, just think of all the movies and maybe that's prison versus jail. Um, but then did they get caught? Yes, they did get caught, Rick. They were taken into custody at an IHOP in Hampton, Virginia, where patrons called the police. It reinforces what we always say, said Sheriff Gabe Morgan. See something? Say something. I want to know what they ordered at IHOP. <laughs> they ordered pancakes, you silly. But was so what what do you think happened? Was that were the TVs on in the IHOP and then the TVs the guys is like breaking news. You always see that. Escapees from prison. You always see that on the movies, yeah. right? The the escapee is just at a at a, some diner in the middle of the desert and then of course that diner's got the news on and the news flashes their mugshot and then the the waitress kind of looks at the mugshot and looks at the guy <laughs> she's giving the caffeinated beverage to and she's and then the guy just like and then what she runs away or the pandemonium or she's cool and she's like, I won't say anything. Now, no. now, Rick, you say that they ordered pancakes, but IHOP has an astounding variety of pancakes. You I- can get pancakes of any type. And so maybe it was just the fact that you could have any pancakes you could dream of at Isn't IHOP. IHOP now the place where the workers at IHOP are badasses and maybe these two guys that escaped prison <laughs> were beaten up by the workers? Isn't there like viral video of people at IHOP being, so, you've seen this, right? So I got to fact check you, Rick. This is, is Waffle House. So Waffle House, having lived in the South for a while, Waffle Houses are everywhere. And those workers are no joke, man. They've seen it all. (laughs) Everyone comes in drunk to a Waffle House after a night on the town. And those workers are ready for anything. We talk about like how police should do better training for de-escalation, and we got to send them to this or that. Maybe we should just make them work at a Waffle House for six weeks. I I, I got to tell you, Rick, Waffle House employees are probably better than the vast majority 
majority of the population at de-escalation. <laughs> de-escalation. I mean, I've I've spent a, a time or two at Perkins at two thirty in the morning, but uh, they're probably pretty good at it too. I would I would say like in terms of something around here when we had we don't have a Perkins anymore, do we? In on Alaska, the there one is still in, one. The one on. Uh, where where is it? The one that just up the road is here just up the road on the north side. It's into a, yeah. yeah, it's turned into another auto dealership. Yeah, we, that's all, right. all the best real estate in La Crosse is a is a parking lot for used cars and new cars <laughs> for sale. It's great. Um, all right. So, but the, but we we're kind of burying the, the 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 humor in what we're trying to do here in a statewide meat, a statewide vegetable, a statewide aroma, dipping sauce, a statewide cheese. Um, but you say a statewide meat could not be. Boneless wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. No, it could not. There is a Chicago man, Ayman Halim, who is suing Buffalo Wild Wings because he was served Buffalo uh, boneless wings that he says were not actually wings. He says that it was false advertising that the products are more akin in comparison to in composition to a chicken nugget rather than a chicken wing. Yeah, I think they're literally like kids chicken nuggets, right? Like that's like if you go. <laughs> so he says that, look, you can't call them a boneless wing. You can't use the word wing when they're a chicken nugget, not a wing. Yeah, is, is there are there highfalutin chicken eaters that need wing meat? Is that the oh, deal absolutely. here? Absolutely. And we can't have. Even so, you can't call a nugget a wing because it's not the wing meat. Oh yeah, I know a couple wing snobs, and they would absolutely object to a boneless wing, saying that it is not a wing. That you have to have the wing meat, and that you can't have a so-called boneless wing when it's actually a chicken nugget, like you'd get at McDonald's. If this guy wins the lawsuit, we're all kicking ourselves, right? Because we all get the bone. Like because we all know in our heart of hearts that a boneless wing is not a wing. We all knew this. We all just uh, just said whatever. We get the bone. I mean, I get the boneless wings. Honestly, I don't want to deal with. I, I get them to. too, and I don't care that they're falsely advertised. <laughs> right. So this guy I, you don't see me this. suing Buffalo Wild and Wings, he's, and he's suing for like millions of dollars. Oh, I'm it? sure he is. It's like four million dollars or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, all right. So that's our that's our, that's our humor portion of the day. We, sometimes <laughs> we say that for the end, but I you know what I wanted to get it. I, we've started out too hot, too political. To start the show, we deep dive into the Supreme Court race, school board race, voter turnout. Um, but we did we did manage to make politics into this like statewide dipping sauce. I think we got something here. I think we could get the voters if we wanted voter turnout. So we wouldn't do this next year because there's presidential election. We would do this three years from now. Sure. So when there's another April ballot. Yeah. Although it'll be a mayor's race, right? The lacrosse mayors will be on the on the ballot. But if we want to really get voter turnout, because that voter turnout, it'll like, still be low, though. Rick. That, that was the vote. 20 percent. Yeah. Decide who your mayor is. It's pathetic. Now, if we can get the dipping sauce question on the ballot, at least for the city of lacrosse, maybe we get the council to put it on there. We'll see that voter turnout go to at least 60. I think that's a great idea, Rick. We already know that La Crosse County has higher voter turnout than other counties in Wisconsin. So we've just got to build on the advantage that we have over other counties and even more become the envy of other counties around the state in terms of our level of voter turnout. Are politicians just doing this wrong because they want to go after welfare? Why didn't they put what should be the state cheese on the ballot? They, they easily could have done this. And what are they bringing out too many? That would be the rural vote that they're trying that Republicans are trying to get to come vote. If they had to vote on whether cheddar Colby or Westby cheese, I don't know if Westby has a flavor, but I guess they should make a flavor if they're going to have a cheese because Colby's got one. 
Uh, that would get everybody to the ballot from rural, you know, Trempolo County. Constitutional amendment, yes or no? Make Colby the state cheese of Wisconsin. We've got to, Then it's got to pass the legislature twice, right? Like, okay, well, it. let's get on that. All right. So, in terms of, let's just do this real quick. In terms of constitutional amendment, the, this is on the ballot. There are two questions on the ballot dealing with uh, changing the constitution in terms of bail reform. Tim Grinke was on my show this week. He was like pro. Voting for this, but he said essentially they were half-assing it. This isn't the full-fledged, but this is going to be better than what we have, not as best as we can. But at the same time that we're already voting on this, the state legislature who has put this on the statewide ballot hasn't even figured out, hasn't even defined what we're voting for. I feel like there's there could be a law. Can we sue? Is there a lawsuit here? Where the voters say, you guys didn't even define what I'm voting for, so I didn't even know what I was voting for, and you want to change the Constitution. Rick, there are some real problems with these amendments on the ballot. First of all, as you noted, the state legislature is taking action to try to clarify the amendments and to provide some additional detail. Violent crime, right? That's yep. the, They're trying to determine what violent crime is, and they have like 100 different versions of that. Beyond that, as you noted, Tim Granke mentioned that this is unlikely to have a huge effect, just in the sense that this does give judges more flexibility when setting the terms of bail. It lets them consider more things. But in terms of having a huge impact on public safety, it doesn't seem like it will do that. It seems like it will be more incremental in nature. Some people have criticized this for that reason, saying that the proponents of the constitutional amendment are overselling the benefits, that they're saying it'll have all these benefits when, in fact, the impact might be rather limited. So that's one of the debates that's going on. It seems like a lot of people are recommending a yes vote. I've seen some editorial boards around Wisconsin, the newspapers, recommending a yes vote, but cautioning voters that it will not have a huge effect on public safety compared to some other things that could be done at the local level and at the state level. All right, we got to take another break. We'll return with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski after this. All right, welcome back. The Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in studio with me. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski, whose favorite song I believe is "Semi Charm Life." Probably, yeah. It's a weird favorite song. It's nobody else's favorite song in the history of the world. Well, '90s kid. Yeah, '90s. That is this not. It's not that great. The do 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 song. Come on. Um, all right. So we were talking. Uh, ta- began the show. You know what? We've kind of talked about everything. A little bit about. We've talked a little bit about everything when it comes to um, politics, but there was you do have you, you did throw a story at me before the show that that was a little bit um, interesting. But it, it all kind of surrounds campaign finance or campaign money. So, first of all, this isn't related. It's related in terms of money. But the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, we're at like 30 billion dollars. We are. That's how much we've thrown in. And that this is race. twice the previous record for the most expensive judicial election in American history. The previous record was $15 million. We are now in over $30 million. So we are now over double the record previously set for most expensive judicial election in the United States. I'm going to do this thing to you, and I don't know. Is the, the Do these all have to do with Citizens United? Do you know this? 
So the previous record was set before Citizens United. Okay. Now, it is worth noting, Rick, that Citizens United opened up a lot of that outside money, the money that doesn't come from the candidates but comes from these outside groups such as super PACs. We have seen that about half of the money in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court election is coming from outside groups. About half of it is coming from the candidates themselves. And so it does have something to do with that. When you say the candidates, is that like me and you donating to a candidate? Yep. Or is that is there any other way a candidate would give money? Yeah. A corporation donating to a candidate? That can happen, yeah. Rick. It's small dollar donations to the candidates, but it's also that loophole in Wisconsin that allows the political parties oh, to right. transfer unlimited amounts of money to the candidates. We know that the Democratic Party has taken in huge advantage of this loophole by transferring millions of dollars to Janet Protasewicz's campaign. And so she has promised that she will recuse herself from any future cases involving the Wisconsin Democratic Party because they've transferred millions of dollars to her using the loophole that allows political parties to transfer millions of dollars to candidates, unlimited amounts of money I'll to just, candidates. I'll do it. I'll just point out that loophole was created by Republicans. It was, and I'm sure they're regretting it at this point. And uh, Democrats have proposed multiple times legislation to close that loophole. I don't know if they've done it this term or last term, but they have in the past. Uh, that's been a conversation I've had with multiple state legislators. In fact, during debates, I've asked that question, right? And and they, they I think any, any of the politicians that ask say, yes, absolutely, let's close that. But that never happens because they all want that money. It doesn't matter who they are, what, you know, what party they stand for. Um, okay. So I was bringing, I brought that money thing up for, for a re, oh, because it, it kind of plays a little bit into the third congressional race because we, we can never get away from the fact that the U.S. House of Representatives is always campaigning. I guess our state legislators are always campaigning, right, or our state assembly anyway, because the two-year terms, to me, two-year terms are too small. They need to be three-year terms or there, there needs to be rules set that you can't campaign um, but we would still have this conversation. So we're already trying to decide who's going to run against Derek Van Orden. He's not even like four months into the job. Right. Um, and Brad Paff, state senator Brad Paff, who was his uh, his opponent last time in the uh, in the final, you know, but everybody that ran last time seems to be. Not everybody, but most people seem to want to run again, potentially. Yeah, Rick, there was a major story in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about this that looked at the state of play in the third congressional district here. Now, as you noted, we're still a year and a half plus from the election, but that's just how we do it in the United States. The campaign never ends. I guess, I mean, we're, we have presidential news every day, right? Like, we do. Run, We've so. got the presidential campaign that is always in the news. We've got congressional campaigns that are in the news. Is this is this seat, the third congressional district, in the news more so because this is like one of the seats that could be flipped? Or Absolutely, Rick. There are only two of the eight House seats in the state of Wisconsin that are competitive. The other seat that is competitive is held by Republican Brian Stile. This one, held by Republican Derek Van Orden, is seen as traditionally competitive because Western Wisconsin is such a competitive part of the state. And so the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that Brad Paff, the state senator for our area, who ran against Derek Van Orden in 2022, is taking another look at this campaign and may run against Derek Van Orden in 2024. But Only, he needs the party support. Yeah, so is that... 
but that's not part of this loophole that we were just talking about with the Wisconsin Party, Wisconsin Democratic Party being able to funnel money to candidates. This is totally different, right? It's similar but different in the sense that the political parties provide support to candidates that they want to help win, that they think have a chance of winning. Now, there are a lot of hard feelings among Democrats in this area because the Democratic Party did not the, really the, help Brad Pat. The national, the national called, party. Is it called like the what is it called? The, the National Democratic oh, right, Party. Yeah, okay. They did not help Brad Path. Didn't even give him a dollar. They did not give him a dollar. Wow. I know. And I knew. I knew they didn't give him a lot of money, but I didn't. I guess I didn't understand that they didn't give him any money. He got nothing from the National Party because he was outspent. What seven million to two or something like that? Brad Path was vastly outspent by roughly that margin by Derek Van Orden and. Yeah, it was a very close race because that's just what we have in western Wisconsin. This is a competitive district. It will be a close race regardless of kind of the spending because it's a pretty evenly divided district. It's the most evenly divided congressional district in the state. And so it's no surprise that candidates are already talking on the Democratic Party side about potentially making a run for this election. We've seen the major contenders from last time on the Democratic Party side talk to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about maybe running again. In addition to Brad Paff, we've seen Rebecca Cook from Eau Claire and Deb McGrath talk about potentially running again. So the top three contenders from last time, all looking at making a run again against Derek Van Orden. Let me throw this at you now. I like to throw these things and see if you know or not, but you could say you don't know. But is there a chance that come the U.S. House race, uh, what, a year and a half from now, that the district is totally changed because the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Judge Janet wins the race the district lines go to the Wisconsin Supreme Court and they say they got to be redrawn because we did keep the congressional maps, right? We did keep the new, the quote unquote new maps, but they were still least change maps, right? That is the huge wild card, Rick. So when we look at the maps and we look at the extent to which the maps are gerrymandered, the extent to which the maps are drawn to benefit one party over the other, the state legislative maps are much more of a partisan gerrymander, much more drawn to benefit one party over the other than the congressional maps. The maps at the level of the House of Representatives of Congress are still drawn to help the Republicans. Well, you just said eight, there's eight districts, only there's two are competitive. Only two so. are competitive. So what I would like to see, Rick, and I don't care about the competition between the two parties. I'm the advisor for both the college Democrats and the college Republicans. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care about the... When you say that, you mean UW lacrosse, college Democrats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the advisor for both political parties on campus, so I don't really care which party wins. All I want are competitive elections, Rick. That's what I want. We have so few competitive elections in Wisconsin, and our government would be so improved if we had more competitive elections. Uh, if if the maps do get redrawn and if Judge Janet gets elected, it seems like it's quite possible that the maps would get redrawn. I hope that they get redrawn with the criteria of actually having some competitive elections in this state. That would be a great thing for Congress. It would be a great thing for the state legislature. So that's my hope. But, Rick, that is the wild card. If Judge Janet gets elected and there is a redraw of the districts, would the third congressional district get redrawn? It is completely possible that that could happen. 
and I guess we're throwing out the fact that Dan Kelly would get elected and maybe even vote against the maps yeah. themselves. Because yeah. regardless, it would still go to the state Supreme Court. They just might decide not to take it up if Dan Kelly were, were to be elected. It right? would. And the judges would decide based on their partisan interests. Because let's just be honest with ourselves. The Wisconsin state Supreme Court is a deeply partisan, deeply polarized, deeply political institution. That is true for the conservatives. It's true for the liberals. And that's just how political that's, scientists honestly just view judges. Is, We've, is that ever going to change? It, it could if we changed the court, if we reform the court. As the court exists right now, as the campaigns for the court are conducted right now, it will not change. It will be highly partisan, highly political. Why? why what's the campaigns have to do with it? Money? Money, their ability to take in money from certain groups, the ability to take in money from the political parties, from interest groups and the strategy of appealing to Democratic voters, appealing to Republican voters and trying to get people to think of the election in terms of political party. I think the candidates for judge over the years have figured out that there is no bigger motivator for voters than political party. That political party is the biggest motivator for voters, and that if you can get voters thinking in terms of political party, it's a great way to get them to vote for you. If you can get voters thinking in terms of political party, they don't have to think. Exactly. They don't have to think about anything else. Then our critical thinking – brain gets shut off. I know we've ranted about this in the past. I guess it would be about two years ago. Um, Local races, nonpartisan school board races up for election right now, four seats um, out of the eight school board seats, four open seats. So not even an incumbent running. We did, we did have endorsements here from political parties. What do you think of that? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think that political parties should stay the heck out of these nonpartisan races because when political party gets involved, Critical thinking gets shut off. We just, yeah, we just said it right. Like yeah. now, now, oh, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party is endorsing these people. Okay, well, that's it. I don't have to think about like yeah. my, the the other candidates in the race. There's eight of them for four seats. I've interviewed um, five people so far. I'm going to try to get everyone that's uh, willing to come on with me um, before you know. Well, if you've early voted, I'm sorry, but I guess, <laughs> I guess you could spoil your ballot. Um, all right. I want to get to this, too, because this the secretary of state thing, I haven't had anyone to talk about it with, but I do. I could do a whole show on it. So 82 year old. I think he's 82. Like La Follette. Uh, I forgot his first Doug name. LaFollette. Doug LaFollette resigns. Yep. Bas- and he uses the excuse. What? Like, I don't have any power. There's no reason for me to be here as if that hasn't been his job forever. Right. Like he didn't know what he was getting into. Right. Totally. Totally like almost by design, right? Like, hey, I'll get reelected. I'll resign. You can appoint someone. Then you'll have the incumbent going. It's it's kind of BS, right? A little bit. Absolutely, Rick. So three months into his term, Doug LaFollette resigns. And I would understand it if he had some dire medical situation that prevented him from fulfilling his term. But he has not provided any information of that sort. So I'm not exactly sure why he has resigned three months into a four-year term. It is irresponsible of him to do and to not provide some better explanation to the voters. Okay, so my my beef here, because then the the Republicans, Devin Lemihue, right? Yep. He says then we should have a special election. Sure. So I'm 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 for that. But the, the Republicans campaigned on war going to give back the power to the secretary of state, but only if we win the election. Yep. So if they want to put some skin in the game, I'm all for having a special election. But then right now, while you're changing uh, reckless driving laws and uh, going after what, what was the other one there? The, 
Oh, the rioting. The rioting, going after, you know, trying to define a riot or rioters. Uh, then then give back the powers right now to Sarah Godlewski. Give yep. her the power over elections. Give the Secretary of State whatever powers that you want to give to the powers or to the position. And then maybe Evers will be like, all right, there's, you know, now we'll now we'll do it. Well, like compromise. Here's some compromise. Wow. A compromise in Wisconsin government. Now you're talking crazy. right? I mean, that's that's the, the beef, right? Because Republicans want the special election. And then if they win the special election, then they will change the position. So they give them back all the power, kind of like the opposite that they did with the governor, because they didn't win a governor's race. They strip all his power away. Exactly. Let's be honest here. While Doug LaFollette is, is a Democrat and he behaved very irresponsibly, it seems, in this situation, Republicans would not be calling for this a special election if the secretary of state was a Republican. Right? Well, and the secretary of state doesn't have any power. <laughs> and so they don't like, even have any power. Oh, so what the heck are we arguing about Sarah here? Sarah Godlewski right? works. Yeah. Now she works out of a ba- cramped basement office. Apparently, I, I know she posted some stuff on social media. I said, hey, can we get a picture of the cramped basement office? Because I didn't expect Doug LaFollette to know how to use a cell phone to post on social media. But Sarah Godlewski on social media all the time. Please give us an update on what this office looks like. Whether it's Governor Evers saying that there should not be a special election or Devin Lemahieu saying that there should be a special election, it's all about what benefits my political party. That's all this comes down to. Yeah. All right. We, we'll be back to wrap up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm just going to wrap up here with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jurgoski. We just uh, usually we we save the silly for last, but we already did that, so we're going to do political silly for last. You, uh, former Governor Scott Walker, uh, they they've asked him to run for U.S. Senate against what Tammy Baldwin? Do we know if Tammy Baldwin's going to run? She is. She okay. has announced her candidacy for 2024. All right, so we know Tammy's going to run. We don't know who the Republican yet. At least we do. We have any candidates yet? We have a prospective candidate, Eric Hovde, who is a business person and. The Republicans are interested in him, Rick, because he could potentially self-fund his campaign. He could put his own money, millions of dollars of his own money into the campaign. We're we're stretching the pocket, but we're figuring out ways to save, apparently. But Scott Walker has been asked, right? Yeah, Scott Walker was asked about running for Senate. He said that he doesn't see himself in the Senate. He says that after getting so much done as governor, he would be bored as a senator. Okay, but he will still be running for possibly president? Yes, yes, yes. In another interview, he said, I'm literally 25 years younger than President Biden, so I have time if he wants to run for president. Okay, so he still has a chance to run for president. Why didn't Scott Walker run for governor if he's getting so much done? Feels like if you're in a position of governor and then you run for president, DeSantis, it it's kind of propels you to the next level of office. Sarah Godlewski, we could argue, the secretary of state now. Yeah. Maybe using that, Republicans have accused her of that, where you're just going to use this to probably run for Senate, right? She's going to, well, she won't run against Tammy Baldwin, I guess. But um, Governor Walker, you'd have a better chance of being the president if you were the governor. Oh, wait, that didn't work out for you. Already. Yeah, he had a failed run for president in 2015 and 2016. In fact, I'm not sure that he even really made it into 2016 in that particular election. He dropped out of the race really quickly. He was one of the first candidates 
candidates in the Republican field in 2015 and 2016 to drop out. Frankly, he's right that he would probably be bored in the Senate because many governors find it to be rather miserable in the Senate. Being a governor is a pretty cool job. You get to be like the mini president and then you get into the Senate and you just sit around all day debating and not doing much. Yeah, I guess you could make the Senate job. You got to be in Washington a lot as a senator, right? And as a governor, you you look at Governor Evers. He's all over the state all the time. Yeah. All right, Chagoski. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. 